0: Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com Strategies, streams, and singles LegitMTG has it all Oh yeah, and now us So check us out every Friday. Friday On LegitMTG.com And stop back every weekday for more Great Magic the Gathering content and product
1: I wonder who my competition tonight gonna be I know it ain't gonna be nobody up in here Stay up in here, Stay up in here. Magnetic, Magnetic. fourteen. W An Organized campaign, I'm on my third route. The album just dropped, I'm trying to get the word out. Superhero theme music, rhyme, sleep, walking, snoring. The less for art was recorded. My first stop was sway in the morning. Was written by Heather V. Toto was a fan since the real world on MTV. Now I MC, five fingers of death, couldn't chin check me Not before, I had to get bars right Rehearsing, was asked about my upbringing How long I've been working And Sway's hair rap, little bigger hand person it Was rhyming like it was a wake up show Homie tough, I got raps for days Gotta say something for Tony Touch My phone is gone. sorry, I can't talk right now I'm busy, traveling, making my rounds I sat down next on the schedule Was static selective.
2: the show yo. Hey
0: everybody, welcome back to Yo MTG Taps, I'm Big Head Joe.
2: And I'm Steven Marshall.
0: Took you a minute, huh?
2: Well, he said welcome back, and I was like, well, where were we?
0: Who am I?
2: Welcome back. I mean, it's just welcome too, if you ask me. But, okay, continue. This is a tight, i'm tight- I'm,
0: I'm hoping that uh, that we are welcoming people back from listening last week.
2: So is this like some weird...
0: Metaverse,
2: where metaverse, where I guess we exist only to those people when they turn on Yo! MTG taps, and we're just like we're just trapped here.
0: Yeah, it's welcome to Pleasantville. Cool. Yeah.
2: Okay, that's kind of dark. I like that. Yeah, welcome back, guys.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to our world. Uh, this week we Help are going me. to uh, talk about our year in review the uh, how things went this year in the world of YoMTG taps. Um, talk a little bit about some of our experiences over the past year. Um, we're going to talk about our New year's resolutions from last year and if we held to those and then we're also going to talk about our New year's resolutions for 2016. And mine's a big one, I will get to that. Also, finally, then we're going to talk about our top 10 albums of 2015. And I have a special to, uh, top 10 list to follow that. So, uh, let's kind of get right into it. Um, I just want to run down, because I've got some notes about my year in review. This was a really great year for me, magic-wise. In terms of, like like, performances and things like that, this was probably my best year ever playing Magic. So I'm really happy about that. The only thing that's disappointing to me is that I didn't qualify for the Pro Tour. Or I didn't or I didn't have a big finish in one of these events. So this is my year in review, just to run it down as quickly as I can. So I played in six Grand Prix events. That's insane. That's a lot of Grand Prix. Like that Jeff, who's been playing competitive for I think as long as I've been playing I think has played in 6 has matched that once. Hmm. You know what I mean in terms of 1 year. So that's just blows my mind that I managed to make it to that many. Um, I finished 44th at uh DFW Star City Games Open in March. Um I finished 43rd at Grand Prix Vegas. Uh, I got my buy at Grand Prix Vegas for the for this whole year coming, you know, that we're in and that was the first time I ever got a buy off of points, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, I finished, I, I think I, have, I might have the number wrong, but I was like 26th after day one of uh, Grand Prix DFW, <laughs> but I went one and five on day two and did not make cash, <laughs> which sucked. Um, I made uh, top eight of the Fall Modern States event, uh, but did not win. Uh, and then I made several PPTQ top eights and GPT top eights, but No wins in any of those. And I actually was crazy enough to compile my overall, including pre-releases and FMs and all that, my overall paper magic record in all sanctioned events was 127 wins, 91 losses, 7 draws. (laughs) That's a lot of magic. It is. I and mean, that's a lot of magic for one year. Uh, the fact that I've been playing for 20 years and that I got my. Because like, you get those, like, um, what are they called? Achievements on the Planeswalker Points website. Mm-hmm. I got 127 wins this year. I got my achievement for 300 competitive wins this year as well. Which means. <laughs> <laughs> that about half of my wins came this year and the other half came over 19 years
2: that's pretty funny
0: <laughs> so it's pretty yeah so so there's a you know marked difference in the amount of competitive magic i've been playing and uh and just how well i've done this year compared to others i think that's the most telling stat of them all uh so you know didn't quite Made a little bit of cash. I think all told, I made. I think I made about like almost about five hundred bucks in uh, in prize money, which is okay. It's not great, but anyway. So that's my year in review. That's basically it. Um, you know, played in a lot of different grand prizes. I mean, you might have expanded expanded more on some other stuff. So tell me about your year in review.
2: Uh. So. My year in review, I I don't have my – I still have not migrated my Planeswalker Points account. Oh, that's funny. Like, I don't know. It's just – the the website was just kind of like a cluster, and it did the weird thing where it's like, no, choose a – like, you needed to use a new password. I'm like, okay. Uh, So I was like, "Uh, what about this one? And, And they're like, no, that's not your right password. That's not your right password. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Let me reset it. And then I tried to reset it, and then it gave me the error where it's like, no, you can't use your old password. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> huh. So I must have played a good amount of Magic because I can at least see that my yearly Planeswalker points is at 910.
0: Nice. I'm just uh, under the 1300 for the buy, like, for to, like to lock in my buy halfway through the se- season, which is really cool.
2: Yeah. But that's. I mean, that's from June 1st this year uh, This I mean. year to yeah. like May next year. Right. Um I actually played my most Magic from March 2013 through June 2014, hmm. uh, or at least I earned the most Planeswalker points. I must have gotten some uh, GPS. Uh, it was like 1835 for that year, and yeah. I'm at yeah, I'm at nine ten. So uh, yeah, I mean, we went to Vegas, which was the first time I ever got on a plane to go play Magic <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs>
0: nice, nice. I think me too, actually. Yeah. Uh,
2: so that was that was fun, and Vegas is always fun in general, and. Um,
0: I didn't even get on a plane to cover magic. Oh really? <laughs> no, I made them put me on Greyhound.
2: You made them put you on Greyhound.
0: Yeah, I made Star City Games uh buy me Greyhound tickets.
2: You are a masochist.
0: I loved it. No, it was great. I just I just loved like messing with their whole machine. Like I loved throwing a wrench in it. They were like, but that's not we don't know how I'm like, I'll walk you through it. Let's go. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I can't say I've like uh, played a ton of Magic this year, or at least it feels like I haven't. Because in the, I guess the fourth quarter, which would be <laughs> September 30th through the end of this year, going back to the financial stuff, <laughs> I've played like the least amount of Magic I have in a while. Yeah, uh, just because like for a month of it, I was on the road, and then right. um, actually I've been on the road for like two months.
0: Couldn't <laughs> even find an F and M anywhere. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh,
2: there was one in Oakland, uh, but. I think there was like a Warriors game that night, and I wanted to go see the Warriors.
0: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that kind of trip anyway, though. So
2: <laughs> that would have been a that would have been a hard one because like anytime we stopped, we were only in that place for like one or two days, and so if I right. spent like the Friday night, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get in an F and M. But I do intend to eventually play Magic again, but it might not even be till 2016. We'll see. I'm sure I'll get in like a there's Tuesday. A free, night. There's uh,
0: that free GPT the end of the month. We're going.
2: Oh, I'm drafting on the 21st. I forgot about that. We're
0: drafting on the 21st. Yeah, don't forget about that because Keep we are drafting. we are 7 and 8.
2: But yeah, the last – and I can see this with my play, the Planeswalker Points preview. My last Sanctioned Magic event was October 16th, so two months ago to the day. Wow. Uh, but that's also right after – I guess that was a week after we got back from GP Madison. Yeah, basically I got back from that and then immediately went to – the, i guess yeah, that was a world series
0: yeah that was all that yep
2: yeah so that's what that's why i haven't been playing word yeah this is i guess is the opposite you i guess there's like some sort of equilibrium between the two of us in terms of how much magic we can play combined <laughs> yeah and since you played more i think than you have ever i had to play less than i had in several years
0: right right it just, <laughs> that's just how it works had to balance out there had yeah. to be a balance did you have any notable finishes or anything like that this year? Do you even remember? Uh, I
2: went to a whole bunch of G uh, IP uh, PPTQs, I guess, and I think I didn't. I think I calculated at one point and I, I top aided like fifty or sixty percent of them, nice. but I didn't win a single one. So right, <laughs> I'm right. like I'm like over for seven <laughs> for PPTQs, which is uh, a little alarming.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Like I never haven't won one yet, which is which is upsetting. That
2: was pretty much it. I didn't day two. I think I actually missed day two by one match every... No, there's one Grand Prix where I didn't. Uh, yeah, DFW I missed by one match. Vegas I missed missed by a match. Madison I wasn't close, I don't think. I think I was off by two there.
0: No, you, I think, still were five and three. I think you ended at five three. Or did you lose your last round?
2: Oh, we didn't play the last round.
0: We didn't play the last
2: That's round. That's right. Yeah, I was still five. I was X and three. So I X... I X and three like almost all my GPS. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Which next year would get you to day two every time. Yeah. Which is funny. A lot of capes. A lot of capes. Mm Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh, GP Oklahoma City. That's where I crashed and burned.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. You, you. Yeah, you. You crashed and burned there phenomenally. Oh yeah. Uh, Uh, almost as good as I did, um, at San Antonio. <laughs> San Antonio was just such oh my goodness, what a disaster. <laughs> that was the biggest disaster. But anyway. Well, yeah, so you know, still we got to go to a lot of events. Madison was awesome. We got some great food this year.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. I'm on a diet right now.
0: We uh we definitely it. I think like we definitely uh if finding great places to eat at Grand Prix was a way, was a path to the Pro Tour, we would have both qualified this year. <laughs> oh, sure.
2: In terms of, like, my total year in review, I don't think I've ever eaten at more, like, awesome restaurants that I have this year.
0: So, cool. So, yeah, so that was our year. Um, it was a good year. I I, I was happy. Um, although, I felt towards the end of the year, I started to feel like... I stagnated a bit. Like my momentum kind of had died off. Like by the time we got to Atlanta mm-hmm. where like as much as I felt good about Atlanta, I almost feel like there was something making me feel like I wasn't going to be able to just get it done. I don't know what that is. It's probably something intangible, but I think that'll tie into my uh, new year's resolution. So um, yeah,
2: I'd give my magic year like a s- C C plus just because you know did travel get to see some cool places yeah in general the year definitely solid B plus A minus but uh, uh, magic just a little disappointing
0: yeah I'd say I'd say my magic year was like a solid B because you know definitely had some respectable results did a, accomplished a couple of things that you know they don't feel accomplishable until you do them like making day two at a Grand Prix, you know, to Just if you don't do it, it doesn't feel like it can be done. But then when you do it once, you're like, oh, oh, I can do that again. You know, like now I feel good, like going to any Grand Prix I go to, I feel confident that I can rattle off seven wins in that day. Whether or not I do it is another story, but I feel like I can do it because I've done it, you know. That's I mean, like, at, at DFW, I rattled off eight wins in day one. My only loss was Pat Cox. You know what I mean? That's a good day. <laughs> That's a good day. If you can say the only person you lost to was a guy who top-aided the Pro Tour the following week. Not a bad day. So, so that aspect feels good to me. So anyway, solid B. You know, would have been an A if I'd have had an X2 at a Grand Prix overall and made the Pro Tour. But we get a B. So now let's talk about last year's New Year's resolutions. So uh, I had two New Year's resolutions, and um, I think that I accomplished both of them. And I, But I don't think I accomplished them in the way I was expecting to accomplish them when I made them last year. So uh, my New Year's resolution first last year was to focus more during playtesting. And the way I wanted to do that was to just be more prepared when I playtested tested. Um, and I was actually thinking pretty much from a constructed standpoint when I talked about it, but then I think shortly after that I basically quit uh, constructed by, by, about, by about April of last year. I quit well, I quit standard, which was the majority of the constructed uh, competitive events. So uh, there was no play testing of standard to be done. Uh, But I do think that overall, and at this point, I think that my goal of focusing during playtesting has been accomplished because I started playtesting with the Texas Guild Mages. Um, I think that overall, I think that both of my goals were achieved because I changed playtest groups, to be completely honest. Because I don't think that the playtest group I was playing in, I don't feel like my goals could be accomplished in that group. And I feel that the group that I'm playtesting with now, I'm not a member. I'm not a guild mage. So that is, you know, something I aspire to. But I am testing with them. And uh, I feel like they provide an environment that really allows for focus and really allows for good play testing and it's and we're play testing just draft every week so that's very disciplined in terms of there's a routine you're doing the same thing every week and it just it's just really good really repetitive and just you know real it's just, it's just quality testing it's the best testing i've had like having high level people who've played on the pro tour before over your shoulder critiquing your play brilliant like brilliant like, i couldn't I couldn't ask for anything better than having Mark Hendrickson over my shoulder telling me that I'm stupid for wanting to not attack on a particular turn, you know I mean really like i I love that I love that sort of unfiltered talk, you know what I mean that unfiltered advice i' always that's why I always love talking to Mike Flores like the same way I like talking to Mark Hendrickson because Mike Flores will say. You're an idiot if you do it that way, and he doesn't care if you don't like that because he'll just tell you this is wrong. If you think this is right, you are wrong and therefore stupid. <laughs> but I need that in my life, you know. And Mark and Mike doesn't really talk to us anymore. I don't know why, but he doesn't. So um, having Mark to kind of fill the role that Mike Flores used to fill. In terms of like getting advice on the game is really good, and the rest of those guys are great too. I'm just naming Mark, but like Jeff Zandy and and everybody. Uh, Ian Jashaway is just a is just a great player. He's just really a, an awesome example of how to how to just get it done without like he's he is he's Jay Z, and what I mean by that is like Busta Rhymes said once that man I'm on stage. And I'm throwing myself all over the stage and I'm screaming and I'm waving my arms and I'm trying to get the crowd hype. And Jay-Z comes out on stage and he just stands there and he just kind of moves his shoulder and people just lose their friggin' minds. Like, that's just kind (laughs) of how I feel about Ian's play. Where he doesn't really need to, like, express much. He can just sit there and just do it. You know, like, you get these players who have that real, like... They make that face... And they shuffle their cards up and they shuffle their cards up and they shuffle their cards up and they shuffle their cards up. And I hate that, you know, because I I hate it, not because it distracts me, but because they think it distracts me. And that's why I hate it. Where Ian just kind of like leans back in his chair, looks at his cards, (laughs) just plays cards. Just like, it's like nothing. I don't know. It's so funny. It's like he's reading. It looks like he's reading a book. When he plays Magic. And I think it's just the funniest thing. But anyway. Focus during playtesting. I think the group that I'm a part of now. Or at least that I'm working with. uh, Has really helped that out. Uh, That was my first New Year's resolution. Achieved. My second New Year's resolution was to play more Magic for fun. And I want to say that I also achieved that by playing with the guild mages. And it's funny because playing with the guild mages were testing right and testing is supposed to be serious but the reality is i've had so much fun playing magic there and the reason why i'm having fun is because i'm playing limited i'm not playing formats i don't want to play you know like i'm showing up to test And I'm showing up to improve my game, but I'm doing it playing the kind of Magic I want to play, and that's fun to me. The other thing is, you know, whenever people talk about playing Magic for fun, I always say, well, I think winning's fun. You know, I I think that winning it... Like, Magic is fun, but Magic is more fun when you win. And so, the fact that I've done... Well this year in events I've had a lot more fun playing magic. You don't you don't have fun even if you don't get tilted. You don't have fun when you scrub out. Right? Are you even still there? You've been on mute the whole time, haven't you?
2: Oh, I was on mute. I have been responding. Um, Okay, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well... uh, (laughs) Yeah,
2: no, I I totally agree.
0: Why does he keep cutting me off?
2: (laughs) Yeah, the... I mean, I think those are two different things. Like, uh, there's just... You get... I, I mean, I think it just comes down to what you do in a magic game to result in the release of endorphins in your brain. And... When you're in a competitive tournament, obviously, um, you know, accomplishing your goal, whatever that might be, and your goal happens to be winning. So that's going to, you know, result in uh, the release of, you know, reward chemicals in your brain, and you're going to have fun. And I think I, I, it just depends on what your definition of it is. If, if it's a non, like play magic to receive enjoyment, pass the time, and not in a competitive manner, I mean, I don't think that's just not, I just don't think it's compatible with you for the most part. Although we're gonna have a we're gonna have a little test of that here coming up because well, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna cube draft right?
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cube. It's it's actually proxied. It's a powered cube. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna cube draft with uh, Ryan Gurmore and company. Yeah. Um, on so, on Monday, and that's and that's the other thing. It's like uh, I have a second list, and it's a top one things that I wish I would have done before I analyzed uh, this New Year's resolution. And the number one thing on the top one list is going to the cube draft <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, I like I like playing casual. I like cubing. I like doing things like that. I don't like Commander. So don't even mention or make a Commander joke because you know, and I know they're coming. Like, I know that they were brewing up and they were starting to build to the surface. No, you know, stop. I'm just going to nip that in the bud right now. No. Um, but
2: yeah, you hate fun, but you you hate it when people that aren't you are having fun.
0: I do like playing magic with no end goal. You know what I mean? In terms of like furthering your play or whatever. I do enjoy that. Um, but I don't do it.
2: Yeah, that's what I meant.
0: I don't do that. Okay. You know, whenever I play magic, I play magic because I'm trying to get to the intended goal. But to me, it, working towards the goal is fun. Sure. But also, the thing is, like, the environment at the guild hall is is very relaxed while we are trying to seriously play magic.
2: It's not very PC.
0: It, it's it's not very PC. We're not going to get into that.
2: But. <laughs> I'm blowing a whistle.
0: Don't. I'm don't. calling
2: woo-woo on everybody. <laughs>
0: This is the truth, but but I'm it's that's I'm not there to be the PC police. I'm there to improve at magic.
2: You to be the PC principal.
0: <laughs> PC principal. I have watched a couple episodes of, this <laughs> of South Park. So funny. It's very good. It's amazing. So anyway, but it's it's you know everybody's having fun, and it's just it's just it's just a cool environment, and I'm 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 privileged to be welcome and you should feel privileged too to feel welcome at that table you know because not a lot of people i mean a lot of people have been welcome there aren't a lot of guild mages for as long as that group's been around and some of the people who've passed through that room uh neil reeves uh david williams i mean these are huge names in magic so to be Able to sit in the same room that these people cut their teeth in is just is just incredible to me, and I love it. But anyway, I, I don't mean to just have this be a, a fluff piece about the guild mages. But the reality is, my New Year's resolutions were both achieved because of my testing and my playing at that house at Jeff Zandy's house. So you know, couldn't be more grateful for that opportunity. Um, so now. Uh, before I talk about – I want I want you to talk about your New Year's resolutions from last year. And then I want you to talk about your New Year's resolutions for this year because I want to do my New Year's resolution last.
2: Sure. Okay, so, so my um, resolutions last year were to get more like serious about um, doing the things I actually need to do to obtain better and more consistently better results at – larger, you know, serious Magic the Gathering tournaments like GPs, PTQs, et cetera. Um, And to accomplish that, my goals were to um, play a consistent deck in constructed formats uh, for an extended period of time, not just, uh, you know, choose a a deck the week before the tournament and run it through, you know, 10 matches on Magic Online and, you know, see what I get. Um, To uh, not to default to the deck that I know best and uh, not some cute brew that, you know, did okay in a very small sample size. And on the limited side, I had a resolution to play limited consistently one format through the duration of the format. So um, kind of like how I didn't do that uh, for Battle for Zin- or Yeah, that's still, yeah, that's still the one. Battle for Zendikar. Uh, I played a bunch of that, like when it came out. And then I just stopped, but it's still out. You can still draft it. And I've, I've not consistently played a limited format. This is you know me from a year ago talking, and spoiler alert, me from right now talking. Um, I haven't played a limited format consistently where you get to see, okay, this is what everyone's playing week one, and then here's how people react to that, and then here's what people think the best strategy is now, and then see it through to the end and the release of the next set. So that's what I wanted to do with Limited. And I totally didn't do that with limited. And on the constructed end, I 100% did not do that as well. And I got the same kind of results that you would expect. Uh, so, for example, we were talking about some of the GPs where I crashed and burned. The, uh, the one where I did the, the most poorly was uh, GP uh, Oklahoma City, the modern tournament. Uh, I'm pretty good with burn. And I've also played a ton of merfolk. And those are the two decks, and I decided that there were some new cards and origins that I wanted to exploit, and I was just wrong. So I made like a crazy hybrid, instead of playing Burn, which I should have played, or Merfolk, which would have been defensible, because I think that, that at the time, at least, and I haven't kept up with Modern, but at the time, that was the best deck in the format. Um, but Burn is the one I know the best, and have the most consistent results, no matter like what people are playing. <laughs> like I, I tend to do well just playing that deck, because I know it. I decided to play some crazy Niazu deck um, that I didn't know as well.
0: I don't think it was a crazy deck, but yeah. It, it
2: wasn't was... tuned, and it wasn't something I'd been playing a lot. I was inspired right, by, the... um, I can't remember the guy's name West, now.
0: Wes Blanchard.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the guy, he won the, I mean, he did win the open with it, right?
0: Yes, he won. I think it might have actually been the Dallas one we didn't go to.
2: Yeah, so, um, like, I had a lot of those cards in there because I wanted to play Wild Nakodle, and the, the problem was I was playing Abbott of Carroll Keep. And I thought it was a, I thought it was just a better uh, card for that, but it turns out Burning Tree emissary is what I should have had. But it didn't matter. Uh, I should have played Burn, didn't play Burn, or at least Merfolk, didn't play either of those. Audibled in the last week and uh, got the results I deserved for that. Yeah, I still haven't done that. <laughs> I'm still, and that's 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 kind of in conflict with like I want to win, I like winning, but my, f- like I think probably my favorite part of Magic is like coming up with crazy interactions and brewing. And doing unexpected things and being a stupid hipster.
0: So you should be a commander player.
2: You know, that's something I need to resolve. I think that is my uh, New Year's resolution is to resolve those that conflict. I guess before tournament, I have it on my like, – put on your calendar, figure out what you're trying to do, and then actually like, come up with a plan ahead of time. Like more, more than a week ahead of time, like a month ahead of time.
0: Right, right.
2: And stick to it up into and through the event.
0: You know, and I think that a lot. You know what I think? A lot of the problem is you don't commit to stuff until the last minute.
2: Oh yeah, I never plan anything,
0: and that's the problem. You need I mean, you know, like, like especially like with magic, where planning is like almost as important as playing. Mm-hmm. I think that if you were to, you know, because there were some events where you're like, "Well, I don't know until Friday if we're going to go." Yeah, like if you go, yes, we are going to this event. The moment you you lock it in, that's when you can start preparing. That is true. You know what I mean, and I think, and, I, and I'm not like trying to like criticize you, but because you know the reality is, last year you you were working a lot and mm-hmm. you were very busy, so it wasn't like you were you had the luxury of being able to lock something in a month in advance all the time because yeah. you didn't you just didn't know what your weekend was going to look like or whatever. So 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 there's it's totally not your fault. You know what I mean? But I guarantee you that doing it that way and planning it a little better and locking it in way sooner and going, "Yes, this is what we're doing." You can you have a goal, you have like an end game. You go, "Okay, from here to there, we can get ready for it." You know what I mean? Like rather than yeah. just going like you cuz then you then you scramble, then you you cram, and then you choose a deck that may not be the best choice. So so maybe that's so maybe that's something to look at for next year.
2: Oh, I certainly think the two are related. hmm When's the yeah. next GP?
0: Oh, uh, Houston, at standard. End of February. Last weekend of February.
2: Alright. Okay. Alright. That's that's it's
0: a very actionable goal. You know what I mean? All right. like, yeah, yeah
2: okay. Lock it in. I'm gonna lock in where I'm gonna stay, when we're gonna go, and then start working on standard because I actually don't hate where standard has been going lately. So, yeah,
0: I've got a standard deck built, which is hilarious. <laughs> like I've got standard built. I could play in a standard tournament right now if I wanted to. I'm not going to, but I could. But um, which is great. I just wanted to say um just going back to my year in review, one of the things that I realized when I looked through my year in review was that I had respectable showings across three formats which I'm very pleased with so uh at grand Prix d f or at scg dfw i finished forty fourth and that was standard uh vegas was you know uh modern masters twenty fifteen limited and i finished forty third and then the top eight was modern states so like three formats and I did decent in three of them which I was just like that's that's cool. You know what I mean? That's good. That Despite how much I focus on limited, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice and, if, and it's reassuring to, to see that and to go, okay, well, I don't actually suck at the formats I'm not focusing on. It's just that I, you know, find focusing on the one I focus on to be the most important thing to do. So <laughs> – yeah, that's that,
2: leave. <laughs> that completely reminds me of uh another thing I missed in my urine review. That was very consistent across at least three GPs, I think. And that was uh for in, in terms of limited being like sixty percent of the way there by the time the GP rolls around, just because a lot of my preparation is necessarily on Magic Online, just because it's the most convenient.
0: And the fact that they do not make limited uh competitive events anymore.
2: Yeah, that too. Uh so it's basically GPs. And the GPs, for whatever reason in the U.S. that I've been able to attend, have all like <laughs> occurred like the day after the set comes out on Magic Online. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had a consistent pattern of being like, oh, I feel like I'm 60% of the way there in terms of my preparation. Um, going X3 day one, and then like the week or two after that, just destroying the format online and getting really, really good at it. Like I think uh, uh, in the month after GP Vegas, I went – Something like 26 and 3 in like limited uh, matches online in Modern Masters, Um, which doesn't do me a lot of good uh, there. Um, And same with uh, GP DFW. Didn't make day two by uh, another match. But then in the subsequent weeks, I think my moto rating got up to like 1840, 1850. Something like it's never been that high. And just feeling like, okay, yeah, now I've, I've totally got this format, but you know it's like several weeks too late. So I think that was most of my year in review, which is just basically just being like halfway there by the time like, the, the tournament I actually care about rolls around. And then obtaining what I consider to be mastery, where I'd be extremely confident going into almost any uh, level event in that format a month after the GP. <laughs> That's why I was hoping to make uh, GP Atlanta, because I was like, ah, I can turn that around, but uh, uh, schedules did not work out that way. Yeah. So perhaps if there is a GP in the US that is a significant time after the release of the uh, product on Moto or Moto just gets its act together and can release at the same time as Paper or like shortly after, then that could be I you know that could be a goal. But we'll, I'd well have to look at the schedule to see that.
0: You know, the catchphrase of this podcast though is "Stop bitching, start brewing." So I feel like what we need to do. Is if there's an event and Albuquerque comes to mind. Because I'm pretty sure Albuquerque is going to be the exact same thing, but with Shadows. What do you mean? Um, Al- Grand Prix Albuquerque is uh, sealed. And it's, uh, I think, Shadows over Innistrad sealed. And it will be, like, exactly the day after the release in Moto. So what I'm saying is that we it's not impossible for us to test. Mm-hmm. But because we know that we're not going to get the chance to test online, I think what we need to do—I'm—I'm I'm going to Albuquerque. I'm—I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Jeff's going. You should probably go. It would be a good time. What we do is we get a box, we get a couple boxes, and we actually test sealed hardcore in paper before the event. So that way we're getting it done, and this the, the all that all that procedural crap that i'm always like harping on you know we do all that and we and we and we build sealed pools we analyze them we swap them we rebuild them and we look at these pools we play them against each other and we say we see which which are the best pools you know what i mean
2: hold on i'm, I'm mercilessly cracking a pack right now
0: i noticed that i heard that
2: uh uh Oh, jeez. Okay. I deserve that. I deserve that. You know, audibly cracking a pack on the cast, (laughs) cracking a pack not in a limited event, and then shamelessly stealing limited resources, a little gimmick. Uh, I deserve this Gruul Draws Overseer as my rare, and (laughs) I apologize to the audience.
0: (laughs) Well, what's the rest of the pack?
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: What's the rest of the pack? Come on. Dispel. Okay.
2: Mindbreaker. No. Territorial Bailoff. No. Uh, Maybe. Clutch of Currents, absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Philadar Cub, no. Goblin Warpaint, no. Smite the Monstrous, no. no. Koslix Channeler, no. No. Vestige of Immacol, no. Uh, Courier Griffin, not not first. Processor Assault, not at all. No. Uh, Blighted Gorge, no. uh, Breaker of Armies, no. And the rare. It's
0: it's so obviously Clutch of Currents. Yeah,
2: stupid. It's not even an interesting pack. Shitty rare. What was that? I don't know. That sounded that sound like you were also uh, <laughs> uh, cracking a booster pack. A booster. I
0: did. I did. I did.
2: Breaking yeah. a booster? Breaking boosters. That's what we're okay. doing. We're not cracking I did. packs.
0: I breaking boosters. That's right. All right. I'm going to be like Walter White here. Um, so, okay, here's my pack. You ready? I know we weren't, this was totally unplanned. <laughs> Literally, he just heard you, and I'm like, I'll crack one, too. <laughs> okay, uh, Mindraker. This sounds familiar, nice, ready? Mindraker, nice. Territorial Bailoff. Wow. Clutch of Currents. <laughs> Claustria Nightwatch. All right. Fortified Rampart. Belligerent Whiptail. Tail, mm-hmm. Sheer Drop. <laughs> Valakut Invoker. Shadow Glider, Dominator Drone, Transgress the Mind, Slab Hammer, Blighted Cataract, Barrage Tyrant is my rare.
2: I think it's just Barrage Tyrant, but. I think
0: you just windmill that?
2: Yeah, it's either that or. Uh, although, you know, I've never been super happy with that card.
0: Yeah, I it, mean, it's good, though. I mean, if it doesn't die, it you do. You know what I mean? If it doesn't die, your opponent dies. Um, so for this pack here, you've got a Shadow Glider and a Fortified Rampart that are both decent white cards. Um, they're not. Gonna, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Shadow Glider puts someone in white, but you definitely put someone in blue by passing the clutch occurrence. So that's why I wouldn't take the Shear Drop. Mm, um, I mean,
2: what about? I, I like Sheer Drop.
0: I, I like Sheer Drop, but I think that like so like if I were to pack, like or- order this pack. Mm-hmm. I think the Tyrant probably goes pretty early. Mm-hmm. I think the sheer drop probably goes pretty early. I think the clutch of currents probably goes pretty early. Yeah, And then after that, you're going to be looking at like probably dominator drone and shadow glider, valakut invoker. Um, someone's eventually going to pick up the Bayloth and the night watch. Um, so what, what I'm looking at here is that like the shadow glider is going to go above any of these other cards Clutch of Currents is literally the only blue card in the pack besides Blighted Cataract. Yeah. So if you take that clutch, and blue is one of my favorite colors to play in this format,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know if you take that clutch, you're like you just cut off white or you just cut off blue pack one. Sure. Or pick one, you just cut off blue, and you're ensuring that the person next to you is going to take any other color.
2: Uh, you're ensuring they're going to take a white card. No, yeah, a white card. Basically, you're
0: pretty much ensuring they're going to take sheer drop
2: or no barrage tyrant. If you pass barrage tyrant, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that if you pass barrage tyrant, you're going to get barrage tyrant taken.
2: Yeah, so, I I think what you do with this is just take barrage tyrant. Hope maybe if white's open, but you're, you might be putting them into it.
0: Like, I, I definitely put them into white or blue with the.
2: You'll, uh, you'll probably like um pick up the Valakut invoker on the way back which, I mean, I'm not too excited about that, but still, it's a thing. I think we're overthinking it. Just take the one red card in there, and so you take the best red card and completely cut it off. I think that's, like, this is a no-brainer pack.
0: Yeah, like, take the, take the like, Barrage Tyrant. Yeah,
2: take the ra- the, ra- the only good uh, card in that color that happens to be rare and the best card in that pack.
0: But I don't play rares. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> I, Maybe I that'll
2: be married. your New Year's resolution.
0: <laughs> I play few rares. No, but... um. The minor user resolution is a little more extreme. So okay, so we've gone over your New Year's resolutions. We had a random crack a pack. GP- what is your New Year's resolution for this year? Then, like, spell it out.
2: I just want a day two a GP man.
0: Is that is that? I mean, that's that's a very reasonable New Year's resolution. So
2: uh, yeah, based on the fact that I've like played no magic in the last two months, let's get to a GP and let's day to it. That's that's what I want. I didn't. Do now here's the real call. question. Yeah.
0: Do you want to day to it? At the old standard or the new standard?
2: Oh no, I want an X two.
0: You want an X two? Yeah, yeah. You want to, you want to be solid in the yeah X two
2: better day one.
0: Yeah, okay. There you go. That's see that's that's good. That's a that's a because I think that X ing a GP is almost not re, like is not. Ambitious enough of a goal.
2: <laughs> no, that's literally what I did every single. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, not, not you're
0: not looking for improvement. Sure. So X two or better. That's a very reasonable goal. So that's yeah. your New Year's resolution.
2: Yeah, and the first one on the schedule is GP Houston. We know the format, and we know most of the rares are going to be out. But uh,
0: yeah, Ye-
2: <laughs> I'm, I can I can get started.
0: Yeah, and that's the one thing I will mention. This we know about the leak. Um, we want to talk about the leak but uh josh who runs the legit mtg website uh made a very oh
2: that reminds me there's a leak in my roof i got to <laughs> get that fixed i know uh, about that leak yeah.
0: <laughs> josh made a very pointed comment on twitter saying that you know leaks are are bad and we're not going to uh to discuss them on you know on this twitter account and uh you know in the spirit of what josh wants For legit and his stance. We're going to honor his stance. And we are not going to discuss the leaks.
2: Until they're Um, official.
0: Until they're official. Of course, we'll discuss discuss them when they're official. But we will not be discussing the leaks. Uh, But they're there. They're out there. If you want to find them, you can. Some cards were leaked. Just FYI. If you didn't know that, now you know. Now you can look them up. But we're not going to actually discuss or analyze them here. Uh, So, I have... One New Year's resolution for 2016. And it's a big one. I'm actually getting emotional. Let's hear Uh, it. Cue or go home. Mm. So my New Year's resolution for 2016 is that if I do not qualify for the Pro Tour in 2016, 2016 will be my last year playing competitive Magic.
2: Dun, dun, dun.
0: And, and that doesn't mean I'm going to quit Magic. Like I said, I did not say I'm quitting Magic. But uh, the reality is, and my in my experience in individual tournaments, um, I do my best work and I perform best with my back against the wall and in no-lose situations. Like, if I can't lose, I often don't. So I'm giving myself an ultimatum this year. This is the year I need to qualify for the Pro Tour. I'm I'm, I'm done trying. It's time to do it. Because I owe it to my family to not spend the rest of my life pursuing this and fighting windmills if I just can't do it. If it's, if it's not something that I'm going to be able to achieve, then I'm not going to keep aimlessly trying. This is the year that has to happen. This is the year it has to happen. I'm just—that's all I can say. I mean, like, like I have to do it this year, or it's not going to happen. Because it's—I mean, like, really. I mean, like last year. Last year was awesome. Last year, I went to more grand Prix than I've ever been in. I've played in more competitive Magic events than I've ever played in. But I also spent more money than I ever have to play Magic. I definitely didn't finish in the black. And I and I and I, you know, I I won't say that I like hurt my marriage. I didn't. I didn't hurt my marriage, but I definitely put a lot of strain on my wife. My wife hates the traveling. She hates me traveling and leaving for these events, especially the ones where I get on Greyhound and I'm gone like 6 days. You know what I mean? She hates it. She hates me being away for so long, and I don't blame her, and I don't fault her for it. She should hate it. I hate being away for that long, and that's the reason why I'm not going to keep doing it to her if it's not actually amounting to something. So this is the year. This is the year where I prove my worth as a magic player. I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to try. And I'll still play. You know, I'll still play magic. I'll still play it like you know pre-releases and and stuff that sounds fun. Um, you know, if there's a local grand prix or something, yeah, sure, I'll go. I'll play. You know, local events, things like that, but I won't travel for the for this for this game anymore after this year or after next year if I don't if I don't get that blue envelope. I mean, that's just what it has it has to happen. You know? Um, so what I'm going to do to do that last year I I focused a lot on the larger events and I Almost cut the PPTQ system out of my itinerary entirely. I'm going to still hit a couple of the big GPS, but I'm going to focus and concentrate a lot more on hitting the PPTQs and on um, you know qualifying for the regional PTQ, trying to get in that way, and just trying to take different avenues to get there. Taking as many avenues as I can to qualify for the Pro Tour, um, and and focus, and then alternately. Focusing a lot less on events that don't accomplish that goal. So like, you know, if there's like the TCG, if there's like a TCG player event and I could spend the weekend with my wife instead, I'm going to spend the weekend with my wife. You know, if there's a SCG open and I could spend the weekend with my wife, I'm going to spend the weekend with my wife. You know what I mean? Now, on the other hand, invitational qualifiers are a different story <laughs> because invitational qualifies you for the pro tour now. <laughs> so... um, so, so invitational qualifiers, you know, are local level things and getting qualified for the invitational actually might be a pretty understandable goal. So anyway, so that's, so that's it. And it, it's heavy. It's heavy. It feels heavy saying it, but, uh, but it has to happen. Like if this is the year I prove my worth as a magic player and, and if I don't, I'm done.
2: That is heavy. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: Yeah. But that's, this is it. I mean, I, this is all we've been building to this. You know, last year we built, to we were building to this, but I can't keep spending the money. I can't keep spending the time away from my family. I can't keep putting so much of myself into this game. If I am unable to achieve my goals in this game, my goal in this game is to make the pro tour. And, and if I can't, then I'm done trying. That's that. That's fair. It is. I think it's, I think it's, You know, I don't, and that's the thing. And that's, that's the positive. It's not, I don't think I can, if I didn't think I could do it, I wouldn't put the ultimatum out there. I wouldn't put this burden on myself if I didn't think I was capable. I, I know that I am perfectly capable of achieving this goal this year. I know that I have to do it now. If I don't do it now, I can't justify doing it in the years to come. So there it is. If I don't cool. qualify this year, it's it. Then I'll you know just go back to to playing slightly casually and occasionally. So there, so there we go.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I I agree. I, I think I'm just not as uh, I, don't, I guess I'm not as I'm obviously not as serious about qualifying as you are at this point. Um, just because, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm confident I could if I devote enough time to it, and I'm like, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> I'll, I'll right. also vote some amount of time, and if it happens, and I get I get you know some positive variance towards it, then that would be phenomenal. But I'm like, nah, yeah, <laughs> it's. Not, I I guess I'm just not I'm not at that point.
0: That's fine. You don't you know I don't expect everyone to be at the same. I
2: ain't point. drinking that Kool Aid.
0: Okay, so so that's all we got to talk about for Magic this year. Um, we're not doing any more shows until. January 8th will be our next show that's going to come out.
2: Oh, snap. I didn't know that.
0: Yes. Oh, you didn't know that?
2: No. I was like, oh, man.
0: No, we're not putting out that show on Christmas Day or New Year's Day.
2: Okay. Are you kidding? Really. I'm are just like, oh, me? man. We're, we're blowing the top ten albums already? Like I thought yeah. maybe we no, are doing parcel it now. that out. I mean, because I no. have no idea what I'm going to talk about in a week, much less no. the week after that. Okay, and cool.
0: We will not be talking about anything for two weeks. When we get back... We'll have a whole bunch of spoilers to talk about, and we'll have the free uh, standard event, which will be our first standard event playing together, you know, heading towards the goal of Houston. So there you go. If you got something goofy in your mind, (laughs) get it out of your system there, because it's free.
2: Standard, huh? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Standard. Okay, I got it.
0: Standard. Yeah.
2: yeah you man. know what? I'm gonna boot up Magic: The Gathering online, <laughs> and I'm gonna play some standard.
0: Yeah. That's what See, we'll have to talk about. Cool. Yeah. No. So we we got a couple weeks, and like like I said, by the time we come back, like it's gonna be two weeks out of the pre release. So you know, the pre release is like uh, the 16th and 17th or something weird like that, and um so we'll have a good chunk of spoilers to talk about, not the full spoiler, I don't think, but we'll have a good chunk, and then we'll have our uh, first standard event, uh, first competitive standard event in a while to talk about. So that'll be cool. Uh, but anyway, so that's all the magic content we have. Uh, we're going to now discuss our top ten favorite albums of the year. If you don't give a crap about that, stop bitch, and start brewing, podcast over. Woo. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, I think we'll just we'll just keep this simple. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna run through my top ten from ten to one. Talk a little bit about each album, why it's on the list, and and just I'm just gonna move. I'm just gonna move, move, move. Yes. And then and then you. And then we'll, and then I have a top ten, another top ten list. Got it. Uh, um. So, uh, my top ten list. Uh, number ten. Coheed and Cambria, The Color Before the Sun. Uh, Coheed and Cambria is a band that I friggin' loved so much. Like, I guess it was eight, nine years ago, uh, when they put out, like, uh, Good Apollo and Burning Star 4, Volume 1, From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. Yes, that's the actual entire album title. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, I fell asleep. asleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're a band that I've absolutely loved, uh, but kind of, like stopped following you know uh jeff foster posted on facebook uh he was like here's the new coheed and cambria single and i was like really and then then i was like well that's weird you know so i clicked on it and i listened to it and it was it was poppier than some of their other stuff a little more of a straightforward kind of track without like you know eight minute epicness going on Uh, but it was really tight and like the song was really good And I was just like, man, this is good stuff. So I started looking into it a little more, and it turned out that this album is the first album and Cambria has ever done that isn't part of their epic sci-fi narrative that actually has personal lyrics, and it's stuff that Claudio was writing about from his life, right? And, you know, listening to the album, the album is just a phenomenal album uh, he really puts a lot of himself into it I think he puts a lot of himself in even into the fictional albums but it was just refreshing to hear them produce an album from a totally different place and from like you know a basis in reality which I just really enjoyed and the songs are just great the sentiment throughout the album is just beautiful it's about his family, it's about his daughter it's just a great album, it's just so really good and I, and I loved it, made the list at number 10 Interestingly enough, what got bumped off at number ten was asap rocky um Long Live Asap, which was an album I really liked when it first came out, but it's just kind of slowly dropped down my list yeah,
2: same here like wasn't that weird when I like, first first listened through, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be top five easy,
0: uh-huh, yeah. Isn't that strange? Like it's weird how that and it might and I don't and I was gonna say it, it, it has the disadvantage of having come out so early. But I've got albums on here that came out like beginning of the year and now yeah. still there, you know, so um so I don't think that's necessarily the fault of it. I think it's just kind of like he put out an album that was kinda of like a novelty almost, where it was like ASAP Rocky found out about acid, basically, <laughs> and it was like, that's cool, and then after a couple of listens, it's like, alright, I get it, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, you sound like a teenager who's done acid for the first time, but um, anyway, moving on, let's just move on, so uh, number nine is Vince Staples' Summertime 06. And Vince Staples' Summertime 06 is number nine on my top ten because I've listened to it once, Hmm. and I've listened to it once, like, this week. (laughs) But it's such a – I had not listened to it yet because uh, for whatever reason, you know, uh, when I buy albums on iTunes, I tend to hop from sale to sale to sale. That's why once every month I have a total – like jazz phase because they do a 5.99 jazz album sale I always buy four or five albums and then I just have my mind blown for a whole week listening to them. This album has been full price on iTunes since its release <laughs> and that's been the one cost of entry that has kept me from choosing it over other things that were in sales. (laughs) So finally I was like, okay, it's December. We're doing our lists. I know this is going to make my list. I need to buy it so I can justify putting it on the list. (laughs) I almost put the Baroness album on the list without ever hearing it. (laughs) That's funny. But I was like, that doesn't seem right, so I'm not going to do it. The Vince Staples Summertime 06, the more I listen to it, the more it's going to push up and up my list. Just like uh, the Baths album from two years ago that didn't make my list, or the first Run the Jewels album that didn't make my list two years ago, both of which would have probably been one and two on my 2013 list uh, had I heard them before I put the list out. We'll get there, that's what my other top ten albums list is after this, is top ten albums I wish I had heard before making this list. <laughs> we'll talk about that soon. Uh, Deaf Heaven New Bermuda is number eight. Uh, Deaf Heaven is a phenomenal band that... Um, is very, very uh, derided as hipster black metal. Um, and uh, Ryan Gurmore, who is a total metal snob, uh, as long as it is thrash metal and specifically one style of thrash metal, was saying that you know when he heard about Deaf Heaven and he heard they were hipster metal, he immediately thought, well, Joe probably loves them. Huh. And he's right. Their new album makes the list at number eight. Great album. Um, It's five songs, which does not count as an EP because I made the exception that Death Heaven albums don't count in the eight songs plus requirement that I told Steven about (laughs) for this list.
1: Ah, that's Um, a killer.
0: Because their songs are all like 10 minutes long. So it's like a 45-minute album, but it's five songs. Uh, Just great. I mean, they just like... their songwriting has improved, I think, even from uh, Sunbather, where Sunbather had like was a great album, but had like one or two standout tracks, and the rest didn't stand out as much because the one or two tracks that stood out stood out so much. This album, I feel like, is five amazing songs, and I just love it. Um, the number, my number seven is Blank Mass, and the album is Dumb Flesh. Um this is one of the guys from Love Buttons.
2: Oh yeah, that's the name of the band.
0: Yeah, it's Love Buttons. Sure. It's, he's uh one half of uh Love Buttons and um <laughs> and he um Hug Buttons. <laughs> so stupid. Uh but this is his solo stuff. And this album, I don't put instrumental albums on top ten lists very often, but this album just had this really cool, like industrial feel, but also had like this noisy feel. It had just had this really great sound to it, and it's just something about this album. It just kept, like, I don't know. I didn't expect it to make my top ten. But i listened to this album so many times this year because it was just such a great album just to listen to from beginning to end and that's just how i listen to music uh great record if you like if you like industrial if you like electronic music definitely check it out blank is spelled b l a n c k by the way
1: hmm.
0: um number six on my list is uh Kamazi washington the epic uh Kamazi washington is one of the uh Key instrumentalists that uh, helped make uh, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Uh, and this was his album. Like, So the thing that amazed me, so like, I heard about this album coming out. I heard about this album because it was Kamazi Washington, one of the key players from To Pimp a Butterfly. And he's putting out a jazz album. And I thought that it was going to be like some sort of like What was that, like, Guru did those, like, Jazzmatazz albums, you know, where it was, like, wasn't that who it was? Was it Guru that did those?
2: Yeah, I think so, yeah.
0: Where they were, like, very hip-hop-influenced, like, jazz albums or very jazz-influenced hip-hop albums or some combination of the two. So that's kind of what I was expecting when I, I, like, you know, looked into this. Mm -hmm. This is a three-disc jazz album jazz album. It is not influenced by hip hop music in any way whatsoever. It is just straight up jazz. This guy is I'm pretty sure he plays tenor sax. And he plays some of the most haunting and abrasive and incredible solos that I've heard in a very long time. I mean, he literally just at times, like just starts making noise on the instrument. I've never heard someone attack the tenor sax like this man does in a very, very long time. And I played jazz in high school. I, you know, I come from a, jazz background in terms of like my musical training and and I just absolutely fell in love with this album and I kind of fell back in love with jazz music on the whole this year and it had a lot to do with iTunes so funny to me because I was so resistant and it's funny because I feel like me and Steven have both kind of changed the way we listen to music this year like Steven still buys albums but You've really moved to streaming a lot, right?
2: Yeah, like a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, like like cause I kept being like, "Dude, did you buy the new uh, this X you know album X?" He's like, "No, but I streamed it." You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, "What?" Because you used to just be like. I went to the record store, and <laughs> you have like 30 CDs in your hand. I'm like, oh, you did? You, you mean you bought the record? No, I went to the record store. But it looks like you left with the record store. Um, <laughs> but you didn't do that so much this year, which is good, which is commendable, because you really did buy a lot of CDs at once.
2: Oh, and so. I, I got back to that practice for the road trip
0: sure sure um, Makes
2: sense. yeah there's a a really cool place in i'm gonna say san francisco uh called rasputin and they had like it's four stories
0: oh my god yeah
2: and their their bargain uh like aisles are really sweet like their bargain aisles are 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 sorted by genre so it's like they have electronic you know one, two, three dollar CDs. Oh, yeah, they've got like, like, like reggae, everything, just like everything. Thank
0: God you rented a van, right? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I would, I would not know what to do with myself in that situation. I think if I saw that, because if I went to San Francisco, it would probably be by plane, mm-hmm. you know, and I would probably have my luggage full. If I saw that, I would probably turn and walk out.
2: I just turned to Anna. I was like, you should probably go on ahead to where we're because she wanted to go like some furniture store or something like that. I'm like, we need to split up because this place closes in 45 minutes. So. <laughs> you are
0: lucky you only had 45 minutes. I know. <laughs> you are lucky because, yeah, you would have been like, we need to rent another van because uh, this one's full of CDs now. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. I got to get my hands on some of this crap.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's for. Real.
2: I'll I'll bring him to the uh, the free. Oh, I'll bring him to the cube draft. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. So anyway, uh, Kamazi Washington's album uh, was a really great exclamation point um, at the end of my year of uh, rediscovering my love of jazz music. It was a, it was so perfectly timed in its release. You know, it was just great. It had to make my list. And it's a phenomenal album. I mean, it's just... End-to-end, fantastic album. Uh, Number five is uh, Ray Sremard, album Srem Life. This album came out so early in 2015, I had to make sure it came out in 2015. And um, actually, the single uh, came out sometime in, like, summer of 2014. Am I right about that? Yeah,
2: No Type was, like, the hit of last summer.
0: Right, so... So anyway, you know the album did actually come out to the 2015. Mm-hmm. So it makes the list. Um, these two guys are just a breath of fresh air. They just have a really unique style, and they just really like, you know, for like for it being their first album, they just sound like they just know that they are, you know,
2: they're working on Strim Life too. You know,
0: are they really? Mike
2: will tweeted out. That was months ago, though.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, That's great. Uh, this is a great album. Uh, another album that was just like just such just bangers end to end, man. So good. The last track is kind of a little off, but other than that, like every track on that album. This is the album that I used to listen to over and over again at different at GPS in between rounds to get myself huh. pumped up. I put on No Flex Zone probably at least like thirty times. Very nice. Like, to get myself hyped at 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 events. So yeah, so this this album just got me through the year. Uh, <laughs> fantastic album. Number four on my list is Earl's Sweatshirt. I don't like shit. I don't go outside. I don't care. I'm not censoring it. That's the name of the album. This is a top ten list. That's the album. <laughs> um this album came out with like little to no warning. And um actually I did not give a crap about Earl Sweatshirt before this year. I didn't even think he was good. Um Tyler, Tyler the Creator from Odd Future, I think Tyler's I think Tyler's albums are really good. Anything everything else like like the whole group to me though, like just really didn't impress me. So Earl Sweatshirt Kind of got lumped into that group for me and I kind of dismissed him. Uh, When I heard about this album coming out, uh, Tim was really hyped about it. And I was like, okay, Tim, you know, anytime Tim gets like super excited about something, I I at least like give it a chance because me and Tim have very similar tastes and similar interests in music. So uh, there was the video that came out. I can't even remember the name of the song because I don't listen to individual songs. I usually just listen to albums. And uh, the song was just like, I was like, wow, this guy's just doing something. Like, this is dark. This is just like. It, it was basically like someone taking depression and anxiety and just putting it to music. <laughs> and like, And that's not a bad thing. Like, that was like, it was just a really, like, it just felt like a really honest place that a lot of people don't go. You know, everybody's, like, fronting, like, they've got money or, like, they've got women or they've, you know, or they've got, like, great lives. Mm -hmm. And this guy just had no pretenses, you know? This guy is just putting out music that's just like, I hope my phone breaks, let it ring. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just, like, Jesus, you know? I mean, (laughs) like... I just love it. I don't know. like Everything about that album, it just felt like such an honest place for a rapper to come from, or for any artist to come from, that you just don't get. It was very revealing, very honest, and I just respected it immensely for putting that album out. So that's my number four. Um, Number three on my list is Faith No More, Soul Invictus. Uh, Faith No More is one of the all-time great Uh, I don't know what category you want to put them in. If you want to be lazy, you can put them in rap metal. If you want to be even lazier, you can call them a heavy metal band. Um, Because they're really not any of those things. They're just a really strange band. Um, And I don't know what to call them. I don't care what to call them. The only thing you can call them is Faith No More. And... This album really felt like it took some of the best elements of Faith No More when they were together and put them together with some of the best elements of Mr. Bungle and all of Mike Patton's other side projects, Tomahawk, Phantom just kind of took a little bit of all of those projects and put them all into and just channeled all that energy into a new Faith No More record. And it's their first record in, um, I think it was 13 or 14 years. It actually may have been 16 years. I don't remember when uh, Album of the Year came out. Their first album in, like, almost forever. And it was just so great to hear from them. And to hear them just feeling like it, just an amazing band. It was like they never left. And, I, and just it just made me so excited because they're one of my favorite bands and I got to see them live and they just sound so good. And they just feel like they're back. that's the thing is like, if this was a one-off album and it felt like a one-off cash grab, like I would be like maybe a little less warm to it, you know, but it really feels like they've made a decision because that's the thing is like they got lumped into rap metal. When rap metal happened, when like Limp Bizkit happened, when Papa Roach happened, Limp Bizkit. all those bands were citing Faith No More as like their inspiration. <laughs> and Faith No More went, we quit. <laughs> That's Faith No More went, we're done. <laughs> They're like, we're not doing anything else because... We do not want to be associated with this.
2: It's it's like uh when when he was interviewed, Albert Einstein. Um, you know, they asked him about, you know, well, what do you think of, you know, like nuclear weapons and all that, which are kind of like a result of like, you know, your 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 theory of relativity and some other work he's done. He's like, if I had known that, I would have been a fisherman.
0: Right. <laughs>
2: same thing.
0: Right. No, pretty much exact same thing. Um and in terms of, you know, in the world of heavy metal or or hard rock music, I would put them on the same level as Albert Einstein is in science.
2: Mm-hmm. And so um, Limp Biscuit is like a nuclear holocaust.
0: <laughs> no. Limp Biscuit is like the Ernest P. World of metal. But anyway, uh, there's some theories and some things I've read about Limp Biscuit. Uh, somewhat recently that actually make me rethink them, though, as as a band and what they were. But we're not going to get into all that here. Uh, My number two on my list is going to be controversial. (laughs) Number two, the second best album of the year, Kendrick Lamar to "Pimp a Butterfly. I'll let you talk about this album because I know it's your number one and it's almost everyone else's number one. Yep. It's my number two. Because my number one album of the year is Dr. Dre Compton. Okay? And I don't need to defend this choice by (laughs) any means. It's your list. (laughs) I do not need to defend this one bit. But I will tell you why this album went above Kendrick's album. First of all, Kendrick is the student and Dr. Dre is the teacher. Let's, let's, Let's make that distinction. That is very much not... A subjective statement Sure That is true
2: I still think it, it's irrelevant
0: it, it might be irrelevant But anyway You know Kendrick was featured heavily On Dr. Dre's album mm-hmm. And it speaks volumes That Kendrick Lamar Is basically my top two albums Of the year Because He's all over both of the albums That are number one and number two uh, Compton By Dr. Dre First of all You know Anticipating Such a huge Dre fan as I am. Anticipating uh, detox for as long as I have. uh, Really, you know, it was an experience. It It was a trip. It was a ride that didn't feel good. It was the way that people anticipated Chinese democracy by Guns N' Roses. Which came out in a shorter amount of time than the period of time between Dr. Dre 2001 and Compton. I'll just put that out there. There was less time between the release of The Spaghetti Incident and Chinese Democracy than there was between Dr. Dre 2001 and Compton. Compton wasn't even the album we were waiting for. And that's the thing. Compton was not the album we were waiting for. That's true, yeah. But it was far greater than anything Detox could have possibly been. Because he was never going to live up to the expectations of that album. 100% 100% never. He was working on that album and reworking that album, reworking that album for years, trying to meet those expectations. But then what happened was artistic inspiration hit, and he put out an album that it feels like it came along, you know, pretty quick, pretty spontaneously. And for Dre to just spit out this album, was amazing. Like this album like it tells us, like there's a story, there's like a story arc that goes through it. The the production feels epic. It just feels like it's another level. And I love the fact that like Drake gets so much crap for having ghostwriters where Dr. Dre doesn't write any of his own lyrics. He hasn't been writing his lyrics for years. You know, Anderson Pack writes almost all of Dr. Dre's lyrics now. Um I'm sure Kendrick had a hand in some of his lyrics uh, i don't I don't know I haven't actually looked at the writing credits, but it's usually not Dr. Dre writing his own lyrics but dre is a is like an artist like that's the thing like Drake Drake's a rapper. you know what I mean like you got one job your job is rapper. you better be writing your lyrics man you know because another one and if you're not writing your lyrics are you even are you any better than like Britney Spears? Or whatever, because Britney Spears's job isn't to write music. Britney Spears's job is to be a performer, is to be mm-hmm. you know the face of this machine. Where Drake, you know, is a rapper, and Drake was was I would say respected as as a rapper, um, because people thought that he wrote his own lyrics. Mm-hmm. I think that he lost a lot of that respect this year. Even though he may have definitely won the beef, <laughs> he definitely won that. Let's not let's not split hairs here. Have you
2: heard the diss track to the diss track?
0: It was the worst thing ever.
2: No, 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 no. Oh, no oh. Some like this, like super hood rapper, wrote a diss track to back to back called "Whack to Whack," and it's actually fantastic.
0: Really? Yeah,
2: it's it's the it's what Meek Mill should have written.
0: Right, 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 right. This is somebody just throwing themselves into Meek Mill's fight. Yeah, he just jumped
2: <laughs> in like, like, oh, I'll get you. I'll get you, dog. I got you.
0: That's great. I got to hear that. Yeah, I got to hear yeah, that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send yep. you a link. <laughs> Meek Mill's response was the, like, most embarrassing thing I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Like, at least show up. Christ. But anyway, Dr. Dre does not get disrespected for having ghostwriters because Dr. Dre is an artist. Dr. Dre is a musical visionary. Dr. Dre had, you know, created an album this year that was just off the charts amazing. Just oh, I just, oh, I loved it so much. Just the production was, it's just, I mean, he just, he's like, all right, kids, I'm, I'm here. And he just, I don't know. He's just so good. Dr. Dre just, he doesn't even need to try and he just spits out a classic album. And, and and it's sad that it's his last album, because I love the album so much. Oh, did but he say anyway. it's his last album? It It is. Yeah.
2: He should have just said this was uh, detox the whole time.
0: No, 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 no. Because then people would have held it under the microscope that they would hold detox under. Yeah, I guess. I think that he was totally brilliant in just saying, detox is not happening, here's this. Because this is...
2: And that's probably if why were, he felt okay with, like, other people writing on it. Because it's like, well, this is just kind of like a soundtrack, you know?
0: Well, that's what it is. And, well, that's always been Dre, though. Because Dre's not just lyrics. Like, Drake, you take, you know, you take the, the, the lyrics away from Drake and you've just got a mouthpiece. You know? Dre does every, does all the work. So you've got Dre doing all the work here. And then, you know, he doesn't need to write his lyrics. He's respected enough as an artist that he doesn't need to write his lyrics to have credit. But anyway, so that's my list. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I kind of did that. Uh, kind of went a little long, but uh, just real quick, I just want to run down just the top 10 albums I wish I'd heard before making this list. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just going to read them. Mm-hmm. and then I'll hear you, and then we'll listen to your top 10. Uh, so number one, Baroness Purple, two: Rusty, Even if you Don't Believe." Three, Health, Death Magic. Four, Titus Andronicus, The Most Lamentable Tragedy. Five, Negative Scanner, uh, Self Titled Album. Six, Disappears Irreal. I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, Seven, Mount Eerie, Sauna. Number eight, uh, Jlin, Dark Energy. Number nine, Desaparecidos, Paola. And number 10, Bell and Sebastian, Girls in Peacetime, Want to Dance. I bought it on Tuesday but, or on Monday, but that doesn't count.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those are all things that I kind of sampled and went, man, these are good. I should listen to these, and I just didn't get to. So uh, they're all albums I will probably wind up buying over the next couple months, but they don't make my list because I haven't heard them yet. can't do that. Cool. Uh, so anyway, let's hear your list, man. All right,
2: yeah. I'm going to also run down uh, the top, I guess, albums I wish I had, like, either more time with her or didn't, like, get to yet. Uh, yeah. Bjork, uh, there's Liana La the Blood album. Um, it's been on my list. Like, I have, like, a reading, or not a reading, like, a listening queue, like Yeah. And, like, I've heard, like, one track off of it because, like, they have this, like, Discover weekly playlist that Spotify puts out, and it's, like, yeah, super yeah. on point. Now, so I heard one, al- one song, I'm like, this is fantastic. And then I'm like, I haven't listened to that album yet. Uh, one, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name, but I've like, listened to a bunch of his albums. Uh, one O Tricks Point Never. Yes. Yeah, yes. I loved like, his last two albums, I just haven't heard this one.
0: Yeah, I've never really, i never listened to that. But uh, I did sample some of the tracks, and it sounded okay.
2: Uh, Miguel Wildheart, because mm-hmm. it sounds kind of like, uh, it seems like it's just going to be another, uh, oh God, what's that guy's name? Something in the Vandals, uh, I don't remember now. He came back. Anyway, whatever. Didn't hear it.
0: D'Angelo.
2: D'Angelo, yeah. He seems like a new, newer D'Angelo.
0: The D'Angelo album came out this year, too. It did. It
2: was really good. Uh, Ought. I didn't even know they had a new album.
0: That's right. <laughs> I sent you a picture of my wish list. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and then uh, special mention, Thundercat, for his EP, which would make the top ten list if it weren't an EP. Um, and then there's this uh, band called like, Clap Clap. But I thought it came out this year because it got like no recognition whatsoever. It's actually came out like late last year. Huh. Um, it's probably one of my favorite electronic albums in like a couple of years. Wow. Uh, really unique sound and like it's still like really danceable, but it's it's like African tribal music, Neat. like serious African tribal music. Like I think they're trying to tell like the like this African fable through like the album. It's really cool. Um, and the album's called Taï Beba. It's like really cool, but. Doesn't count. Okay, so um, actual top ten. Like, I don't know. My, 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 I, th- I think it should just be a top nine because I had, like, three or four stand-ins for the number ten. Um, I'm just going to pick – I'm going to do Waves, Cloud, Nothing, uh, No Life for Me, even though it's only 20. Because okay. I was looking back. I was like, wait, this is practically an EP. There's only, it's only 21 minutes, actually. And, like, two of them are, like, throwaway instrumentals. So, technically, it's, like, an EP. Um the other one I was considering was e- Long Live ASAP actually fell off. <laughs> like I was just like I don't know, I, I for some reason.
0: But the fact that Long Live ASAP could fall off our top 10 lists means that this is like this is one of the best years for hip hop since like the 90s.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Like it's insane. The, the the Kanye album didn't even come out this year.
2: No, I know. Everyone's like okay, we got to get our good we got to get our good stuff out this year before Kanye releases another album.
0: Well, that's how good well, – That's that's – you know, like somebody was saying was that's probably why that, – that just shows you how good Kendrick's album was. Yeah. Kanye held off.
2: <laughs> it could be. Because
0: Kanye wants album of the year, and he was like, well, sh- no I can't – do Yeah, me. not it's happening. Yeah, so
2: yeah, – Yeah, the last thing I was considering for number 10, I decided to just bump it off um, just because I actually find the guy – the more I read about him, like more and more, like, uh, problematic, shall we say? Yeah. Um, the artist is uh, Romare, and uh, the art uh, the album is called Projections, and it's like kind of like house music, electronic music, but he uses a lot of like soul samples. Um, and if you like read into it, like he's like he's like studied like African American culture, but he's like he's a weird guy. Like he he's he's born in London, lives in Paris, and like he right like he. He thinks like he all his albums are about like African American culture and the struggle of the the black man, and it's like the most massive appropriation I've ever heard. And it's really weird, um, and people like really don't like it. <laughs> <when> he, wow, <laughs> um, he, he like, yeah, it's but the album's really good, and it's really well made. And I'm just glad he didn't, uh, he didn't sample like strange fruit or anything like that, that would have been overline. but others. <laughs> Like he, he the, some of the stuff he did though was like I'm like, uh, like sometimes I feel like a motherless child. I'm just like I don't know, man. And prison blues, and I'm like, man, yeah. <sighs> Jeez. Uh, so that didn't make the top ten. I
0: <laughs> so um, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about his marriage to Rachel Dolezal in the next year.
2: Absolutely, I could see that 100. <laughs> um, solid and timely Rachel Dolezal reference. Solid.
0: thank you, thank yeah. you.
2: Um. Okay, actual list. Oh, the actual number 10, uh, Real Lies album, Real Life. Uh, That's right. I really liked like six of the songs, and then like when I re-listened to the album, I'm like, yeah, it's not as good as I remember. But I, like I think I listened to five of the songs individually as singles over the last like year and a half and loved every single one of them. And so okay. I just like slide it in there. But then like, I listen to the whole album, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. That's why there's a conflict at number 10. But that, that was the number 10 one. It's really cool. Um like my formative musical listening years were nineties electronic music and they cop all that. So I'm going to like it. Um, number nine, the actual real list starts. Uh, I don't even know if you pronounce this or not, but the the name of the uh, band is OOFG and the album is a cute feast. And it's just a really cool, like kind of unique sound. It's like a combination of, uh, this female singer. I think she's from like South Africa or something like that. Uh, but she's white. Um, and it's got like full like kind of like orchestral strings, uh, but like electronic beats and uh, and electronic like bass and synthesizers and stuff like that. And like these, they actually like the band. It's not really a band, I don't think. I think they just put out an album. Um, they initially met because they were, like doing music for uh, Lars von Trier's. Uh, I don't know if you know that he's a he's a director that makes super disturbing movies. Um, I
0: know the name.
2: Yeah, it was for like their Melancholia film, which I actually haven't seen yet.
0: Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I saw Antichrist, and if you want to you wanna horrify yourself into a coma, I, I suggest you watch that. It's, <laughs> it's the probably most disturbing movie I've ever seen, um, <laughs> like by a large margin. All right, so that's number nine. Uh, number eight is Donnie Trumpet and The Social Experiment. Uh, album is Surf.
0: Yeah, good choice. Yeah,
2: Chance the Rapper, a bunch of guests, super fun. That's right up my alley. Uh, number seven is Vince Staples, Summertime 06. Um, it kind of reminds me, it's like a slightly worse uh, Good Kid Mad City, which is still like high praise because um, <laughs> it kind of yeah. tells its like background and story from, you know, a similar location geographically. Uh, number six is Big Sean, Dark Sky Paradise. Nice. And that's, and that's, that was n- that's my go-to get hyped album.
0: Yeah, and I haven't listened to that enough to to put it on the list. But it was actually in like the first cut of the list, mm-hmm. even though I still had. I mean, I know it's a great album, even though I hadn't listened to it enough times. It was still like in the top twenty. <laughs> like, yeah, but I know, but I just didn't listen to it enough for it to really like resonate with me. Although um, the one single he did, uh, I can't remember, but it's the uh, one man could change the world. Yeah like that song is like one of my favorite songs of the year by far.
2: That's not even like, in like the all killer like area of the album which I think is tracks 2 to 5 that I listened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and you're right too. Like that that the whole first half of that album is so freaking good. But that but that track is just like just really good. Yeah. It's yeah. another again, it's it's the same reason why like I love the uh the Earl Sweatshirt albums because like it kind he kind of comes from a place you don't you know,
2: yeah, he, for he him many, especially. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, exactly.
2: Um, and even the outro track is one of my favorite too. And it's just called outro. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's see what's that? That's number six. Number five, uh, Ray Stremmer, uh, Strem Life. I mean, that's just you're not going to find a funner album than that. And I use the word funner. I don't care. Uh, number four is uh, Neon Indian Vegas International Night School. Um, yes. Yeah, it's probably my favorite Neon Indian album so far, and I've liked almost all of his work. So. Yeah,
0: I, have, I haven't listened to it. Um, I want to. I actually, I, it was like number 11 on my top 10 albums I wish I had listened to. Listen to. <laughs> Stupid.
2: Uh, number three, Kamasi Washington, the epic. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, good, it's just good. Fantastic. I didn't know if you'd
0: listen to it that much. No, good. totally, a
2: ton. Uh, it's like my work music, basically. Uh, nice. when I need to get stuff Good. done. that's uh, so what i listen to. Number two is Floating Points, uh Lania.
0: It's okay. I never listened to that. Yeah, it's
2: like ele- it's it's electronic music. Um I thought he used to make deep house music, but maybe not. Um but it this is like jazz. It it's like jazz and electronic music and the compositions are just amazing, beautiful, yeah. loved it. Um that's uh, another one where I'm biased because like I've been like I don't normally listen to singles, but when you're following an artist on Spotify, it'll be like, Hey, there's a new release here. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Floating points is putting some stuff out. And like, I absolutely just love the first three singles he put out from this album. But then like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to be predisposed to love the album. And I do. Uh, and then number one chalk, you know, whatever, uh, Kendrick Lamar, pimp a butterfly, uh, best album this year. And I think probably for, uh, last year too, at least the last two years, probably my favorite album. In terms of like a narrative, like I usually don't even listen to like lyrics, <laughs> except for right, like hip hop. Right. But like, yeah, it's just fantastic. The production's like off the charts. Um, I mean, this thing is—I I don't know. There's not—I mean, just you can go read a million articles about it. There's not really. This is so chalk that Obama's favorite song this year was "How Much from a Dollar Cost" album. from yeah. this album. So you know, there's not really. <laughs> this is, I don't need to opine on it. Everyone's heard it. Everyone loves it. And as do I, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a runaway favorite, Um, you know, in terms of like.
2: It was the only one that like planted the flag where I'm like, this is no doubt number one album of the year. And then I kept listening to it, kept listening to it. I wouldn't listen to it for a month. Come back. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is still my favorite album this year. Because um, I think last year my favorite album was the Run the Jewels 2. Yes. Yeah, and I probably like this more than that. So at least the best of the last two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was number 1 for me until uh until Compton came out. Like because for me for me Dr. Dre is like the standard bearer, mm-hmm. you know, and like and and especially that like it's his last album and and it's just such a quality. It's such a high quality album that like it really makes you wish it wasn't his last.
2: It won't be his last.
0: I think it will be. I think it will be his last like actual album. I don't think it's the last time he's going to produce an album. Okay, you know what yeah, I mean? but probably. It, but it's his, it's his last album.
2: We'll see. So, I, th- I think now I that think, he has I the pressure think. of uh, detox kind of like off his back.
0: It might, yeah, I mean, he probably had a lot of fun making it, and it probably made him feel like he could do more, but I don't know. We'll see. It's it's just, you know, it's all conjecture at this point. Who knows? Um. Anyway. Whew. Good list. I like your list. I have to listen to a couple of the things I hadn't heard. But we're, we're pretty close. Yeah. Did you listen to that Earl album much? Did oh, you not I like loved it much.
2: It. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, I only li- listened to it once, though.
0: Okay, fair enough. And I just didn't. I, so yeah,
2: I never got back around to listening to it multiple times. So, like, yeah. I, if if the roles were reversed, because I bought the, uh, the Vince Staples album on the road trip. Okay. And so yeah, it got some yeah. repeat plays. Um like you know it's super like desolate I was like driving down California so, like around the salt and sea I was like oh this is a great you know it's was, it was cool yeah um like so I listened to it multiple times like had that been the Earl Sweatshirt album that's probably my number uh prime number you know 5 or 6 and the Vince Staples one is like oh yeah I need to listen to that more so I still got time and I I I've liked Earl Sweatshirt ever since the free-earl days so so I had to get my hipster credentials in there you
0: know Of course you did I understand you know? But awesome. So uh, that's been our year. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this year of shows. And I hope that, you know, you come back and listen to our show we're putting out on January 8th, where we'll be talking about all kinds of slick stuff. Uh, but until then, we are YoMTG Taps. We
2: already did that. We'll see you January 8th.
0: Yeah, bye.
2: Bye. Yeah, yeah. We're on to the next one.
1: Yeah, yeah, that album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on the press run. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, that album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on the press run. Yo, the rhyme pays more eyes once I ride
0: through the doors. YoMTG Taps is available every Friday on legitmtg.com, iwantmymtg.com, mtgcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, BrainLink, Telegraph, and via Passenger Pigeon at pigeoncast.com. Questions, comments, or free sticker requests that I will hopefully one day get around to can be sent to yoMTGtaps at gmail.com. The intro music is the song Press Run by the amazing Baltimore MC You'll Never Know and is produced by W. Additional background music produced by Logic Marsalis. Purchase all of their music at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. That's magnetic with a K. Seriously, purchase all of their music. Find us on Twitter and Facebook to guarantee infinite happiness forever. Finally, make sure to check out my weekly limited stream, Head Games with Big Head Joe, every Sunday at 9pm Eastern at twitch.tv slash legitmtg. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.